And uh, my name's Scott, and I'm one of the um, pastors around here. I'm also a person involved in hospice care, if you've heard my story a little bit. But it's good to see you all. It's an honor to um, bring the word to us today. Um, I have a confession to make, and that's um, that I'm, I'm a klutzy person. Anybody, um, anybody here um, done anything clumsy that caused bodily injury? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> um, how, how many can say you did that this week? Anybody? Oh, okay. All right. Um, how about this morning? Uh, could we get an usher? Uh, we need to just make sure this person's okay. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I, I'm a klutz, okay? And I, I, I love to admit that, kind of, um, to people that I, I, I just, I am. I'm a klutzy person. I, I did something really klutzy some years ago while we were still living up in Modesto, and um, I love doing yard work. How many of you like doing yard work? Yeah, you're crazy like me. Okay. Um, so I was doing yard work in my backyard, and I remember my, my house had a big window on the back of the family room that looked out to the backyard. And my daughter and my, my dogs usually, like, would come out and look a, as I'm doing yard work and mowing and doing things. And you know that the city always usually provides us with a trash can, right, for lawn stuff. You know what I'm talking about? So I had my trash can for my lawn stuff on the grass lawn, and I was pulling weeds out of the planter beds and, and whatnot, and I did something rather stupid. You know you're supposed to grab the handle of the trash can and pull it, right? Pull it behind you to move it around. <laughs> you know what I did? Is um, I took it and I tried to push it. Okay? I tried to push it, and it didn't go so well, and guess what I ended up doing? It went... And it stuck, and I all of a sudden the whole thing like turns on me because it wasn't real heavy yet. And so I went slam right down onto the floor, and I like hit my arm. I'm like, ah! And I was I screamed, and so my family came rushing out. I thought I broke my wrist. I was so stupid. I was so clumsy. But I we went to the doctor, and I was only bruised, um, thankfully. But I had like one of those little wrist things on my arm for like a month, and um, that that's how stupid. Clumsy I can be, okay? I, I pushed instead of pulled. So I just remember um, many times in my life I've done kind of crazy things. You know, Pastor Dave's a skateboarder, right? He talks about his skateboarding adventures. I gave up skateboarding in eighth grade um, because, <laughs> because I did a clumsy thing with my skateboard, you know? I had a ramp, and I did crazy weird things all the time. But it wasn't until I was just going on my skateboard on the driveway doing nothing. And, you know, skateboards and little pebbles... Little rocks don't go well together, right? And so, like, I hit a pebble, and I fell down, and hit me in the I mean, doing different things to it. The wood was all, like, rigid, and so the wood hit me right here, and I actually have scar to prove it, because I had stitches right here. I had a gaping hole right there, and um, it, yeah, that was a scary experience, and that's when I gave up skateboarding. So... Because I'm klutz. Now, I'm not the only one. You all admitted that you're clumsy sometimes, right? And, but there are serious accidents that happen in this world because people don't take precautions and, and make smart choices. Well, there was a traveling circus uh, that actually was traveling and, and performing in Texas. They were a traveling circus from, from Mexico. And this is back in 2007. And there was a 35-year-old trapeze artist 
who thought it would be really fun for the crowd to see him do his trapeze stuff with no net. Nothing underneath him. And uh, he learned the hard way because he missed his jump and he fell to his death. That's sad, huh? Like, because he didn't, he didn't take the precaution necessary. He didn't have what we would all affectionately call a safety net underneath him. And so I've entitled our message today, Safety Net. There's a reason, uh, a couple of reasons why. One, I, want us to, I wanted to kind of uh, set up Pastor Dave in his next sermon series about finances. And uh, many times we think about finances when we think the word safety net. Now, um, sometimes we, we don't do stupid and crazy things like falling off of a trapeze, but sometimes we do clumsy things that gets us into trouble. And I wish there was some way that I could have had some sort of a softer fall when I had my trash can incident um, to save me from having a bruised wrist for that time. But no, I, I was clumsy enough without having any safety precautions at that time. You know, uh, when, when we think of safety net in our culture today, we often think of the safety net that our government provides us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, Social Security uh, is a, what's called a safety net program that our government provides. Unemployment, if you've ever lost a job, there is the safety net program of unemployment that helps us financially during that, that time. And, and Medicare for the elderly and all those things. These are programs that our government provides that are safety nets. They're usually financial uh, in, in their um, scope and influence. But I want us to think today not just about financial needs and physical needs, but I want us to think about our spiritual need and our emotional and relational need in life. All of us have a need for safety. It's a concern. Recently, we, we got into a new home um, that God provided for us, and all of a sudden, we, we had some, uh, a really weird thing happen just a couple weeks ago. I, I, I didn't hear it. I didn't see it. I didn't experience this. But all of a sudden, I looked into my bedroom window on the outside of my house that faces the street, and there was a bullet hole or something that grabbed and na- knocked out our window. So we have this, like, big gaping hole in our window right now, and we're going to get it fixed. But it's like, wow. Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, what kind of a neighborhood do we live in, you know? Uh, it, it, it feels weird uh, that I want to be safe. I want my family to be safe. You want to be safe. But the reality is this world is not safe, is it? It's not safe. So what is a safety net? A safety net is something that provides security against misfortune or difficulty. Safety against fortune or difficulty like i said we've all done things that uh by accident that has caused harm to ourselves and perhaps others we've all experienced making bad decisions that end up with negative consequences we've all experienced somebody else in our life that's done something disappointing that's hurt us and we're we're not um we go through insecurity and and all that because of that relationship We've all had and experienced difficulties because of weird things that happen, freakish things like the thing in my, my window. There's disasters. There's, there's all these different things in life. There's the loss of a loved one. And the craziness of our world today makes us hunger for something safe. We want to feel that safety and security. 
The bottom line is that we will all need someone in our life to provide that sense of security and safety. And I'm here today to remind you that that comes from the source himself, from God. If you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand and one of the ushers will bring you one. But I want us to um, go to Jeremiah chapter 23. Is our starting place today. Jeremiah chapter 23, starting in verses 1. Verse 1. I want us to see our need for, our sa- for the safety net in life. We all have this basic need for safety. And we're going to see in this passage... And we can identify with Israel's need at this time in their history for a safety net. We can follow, just like the people of Israel, we can follow negative influences that will fail us. People that we put our trust in that will fail us. Starting in verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. Jeremiah is bringing a message to to the kings and to the rulers of the people of Israel. On behalf of God, and he says, this is for the unrighteous rulers of Judah during this time. That in chapters 21 and 22, God spends a lot of time condemning them. These kings did not faithfully follow God, and they led the people astray from faithfulness to God's covenant in their life. They didn't tend to God's flock. And when we think of a shepherd, right, we're thinking one of the things that a shepherd does is to provide safety from harm from those who try to do us harm. And these shepherds of Israel were not doing that. They were, Jeremiah communicates how God is going to punish them, punish their kingly line, the one that was ruling at that time, and not allow them to rule for any more time. And God's punishment would be felt by all of Israel when he gave them over to the Babylonians in the period of the captivity. So they were being led astray by those that they put their trust in. Those that they found security from, their rulers, their government officials. Now this can happen in our life. You can look up to somebody that gives you advice and they steer you the wrong way. Maybe somebody gives a promise and it's not kept in our life. Often in our culture, we think of politicians, don't we? <laughs> Sometimes politicians say one thing during a campaign, right? And they govern completely different. God has a direct message for those leaders of the people of Judah at that time. That because of your unfaithfulness, you will no longer rule. But that's, that's the bad and ugly part of this story. The good part is that God turns around to the people and he says, I'm going to promise you future safety. That one day you will be safe from all of this. Verse 3, I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I've driven them and bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them. 
and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will anybody be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. And in these days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord. Because the leaders have disobeyed the law of God and They refused to trust God in his leading. They destroyed the nation and scattered the flocks among the Gentile nations around them. God, however, promised to regather his people and transform them into a remnant nation. And a remnant did return to Judah after captivity. They rebuilt their temple and they restored their national life. See, the branch of David through Jehoiachin, this king, would be cut off when Nebuchadnezzar took his crown and captured the kingdom. However, God promised to raise up to David another king who would be a righteous branch that is a member of the Davidic line. Anybody see where I'm going with this? Who is this king? Jesus. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of this prediction. The name of this king, the Lord our righteousness, is found in 1 Corinthians 1.30 and 2 Corinthians 5.21. That is the exalted name that's only given to Jesus Christ. As king, Jesus, he will reign wisely and he will do what is just and right in contrast to the unrighteous kings Jeremiah speaks of. Through Christ himself, he offered himself as Israel's Messiah upon his first advent. But yet, the final fulfillment of this prophecy awaits his second coming. At that time, the southern kingdom, Judah, and the northern kingdom, Israel, will again be delivered from oppression and reunited as a single nation and will live in safety. The return of the Jews to their land in their, after captivity was but a, just a foreshadowing of what would be like when the Messiah comes again. I want us to call our attention to Colossians. We're going to move into the New Testament here. Because what Jeremiah prophesies it is addressed in the New Testament as well. We see that often, don't we, when it comes to Jesus? We see Jesus pictured and prophesied about in the old, and we see him for real in the new. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Jesus is the ultimate king that brings us to safety. I want to call us to Jesus this morning for our our safety net. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. It's a picture of God's, God's only son, his firstborn. The first in priority is given to Jesus above everything. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the, first, and the firstborn. There's that reference again, the first in priority. From among the dead, it's referring to the resurrection so that in everything he might have the supremacy 
When somebody is referred to as having supremacy, that is authoritative ruler, king. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the good news of the gospel, amen? He is the king. He is God's chosen one to bring us to safety from the enemy and the effects of sin in our life and the effect of sin in the world. He is the peacemaker and the peace bringer. We are safe under his rule. Because he's a king who delivers. Verse 13, we're going to go back a little bit here. Verse 13, he is a king who delivers us. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. The word here for rescue means rescuing one from danger. We could not deliver ourselves from the guilt and the penalty of our own sin, but Jesus did deliver us. We were in danger of spending an eternity apart from God, yet he delivered us. From the authority of Satan and the powers of darkness. In other words, he kept us secure against the powers of darkness in our life. Jesus Christ did not just release us from bondage only to have us wander aimlessly. No, he moved us into his kingdom, the kingdom of light, and made us victors over Satan's kingdom of darkness. Does this remind you a little bit of... uh, our, our um, study in John and our study in uh, the book of Revelation, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. We are now a part of God's kingdom that brings light to the world. So he doesn't just deliver us, but he redeems us. There's some deep theology right here in verse 14. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the word redemption means to release a prisoner by the payment of a ransom. Redemption and forgiveness go together. And so the word forgiveness here is also translated to send away or to cancel a debt. Christ not only freed us and transferred us into his kingdom, but he canceled every debt so that we can not no longer we don't have to be enslaved anymore. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, his righteousness is imputed into us, and we are declared righteous before God. This is what it means to be justified by faith. He is the safety net to keep us from experiencing the internal consequences of sin. He is our safety net. Paul wants us to consider that salvation is more than just an acceptance of some doctrines and some beliefs, but it is a personal relational experience with our king. Speaking of personal, I love reading the Psalms. Anybody find it uh, to be personally enriching? I want us to go to Psalm 46. This Psalm kind of brings these two passages together. It's kind of cool because it's in the middle of the Bible. It kind of Bridges the two, okay? I love this. It rises to the surface, one of the most 
difficult yet personal reactions or interactions with our Lord. And if I were to summarize Psalm 46, very simply, it would be our trust in the safety net. Our trust in the safety net. Trust is difficult, isn't it? Trusting is very difficult. When I, kind of another funny picture that I kind of, in my mind, go through when it comes to the lack thereof, the need to trust without having, like, the physical safety net um, is um, a bungee jumping experience. Anybody ever done that before? Nobody's crazy enough. Good. All right. Wait, you have. All right. So, Kim, you're crazy enough. Right on. Um, So, the bungee jumping experience, right? Like, there's no, like, physical net. You're relying completely and trusting completely on the strength of the cord. Right? And so, I'm sure everybody that's ever jumped... In a, uh, with a bungee cord attached to them, are going on the way down. They're praying, Lord, Lord, please make this thing work. Right? That's crazy. You have to trust everything, your whole life, to a cord. <laughs> when I find that fascinating, that people can trust a cord, but they have a hard time trusting God, <laughs> who's the creator of this world. The the most powerful being who has our backs, and yet we have a hard time trusting him sometimes. All right, Psalm 46, starting in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. He's our shelter from danger. God is our strength, our safety net. The psalmist tells us, therefore, we will not fear. In other words, we find safety and courage by trusting him. So God's faithful followers need not fear, even if many difficulties come against them. That's harder to put into practice, though, isn't it? So my question is, what is your biggest fears in life? Is it just walking across the street thinking you're going to get hit? I don't know. I don't know what your major fears, the things that kind of get your anxiety level going. It could be relational. It could be financial. It could be health concerns. For myself, the financial end, I'm in a, in a job situation, I'm feeling a little bit insecure in my job. Anybody been there? Kind of like, um, I hope I have a job tomorrow, you know. Um, so th- my anxiety comes out when it comes to a job, being feeling secure in a job. Going on in verse 2, it says, Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their searching. So this language is very hyperbolic. And it's to describe how difficult it can feel when trials come our way. It's also a good reminder that, you know, natural disasters do happen. I read in the news this morning a volcano was erupting in the Pacific somewhere. Okay? I mean, things like that happen. And so we experience all this turmoil in our life. And no matter what happens... Those that trust in God are safe. 
Verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Love this. This is a picture of God's peace and his ability to cause even the craziest of physical things happening in the world to be calm. And he takes a raging storm and he directs the waves into a channel, an orderly, peaceful channel that runs through the city. God is within her. It's referring to the city of God. She will not fail, not fall. It's interesting to note God's grand scheme of things, his timeline in, his, in this world. At one point, Israel did fall in cap- captivity, right? But then he gathered them back. See, the, the people strayed, but God never left them. He's there. He's constant. He's always there. The second part of that verse says, God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. His, he lifts his voice and the earth melts. I love that. Isn't that cool? So we have all this stuff going on in the world today. God's still in control. You know, when I look at the news, I often wonder, what is the world coming to? Everything (laughs) seems to be in such chaos that it's like everything's upside down in our world right now. Then I look at my children and I go, what kind of a world are they going to grow up in? And it bums me out. We can take note from this psalm that Even though the world is falling apart around us, our safety net, our God, is present with us at all times. He ain't going anywhere. I want us to notice the repeat of the phrase in verses 7 and 11 in this psalm. The psalmist wants to remind us that God's presence is with us and He never will leave us, especially in hard times. Reminder today that Christ Himself is our safety net And he never goes away. Verse 1, the second part of verse 1 says, An ever-present help in trouble. He's an ever-present help. And then the refrain two different times, verse 7 and 11, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our what? Fortress. Our place of safety. He never goes away. Even though sometimes we think in our human thinking that God sometimes takes a vacation. You know, what in the world? God, everything's going crazy around me. Are you there? He will quietly say and whisper into your ear, yes, I am your ever-present help in times of trouble. And in verse 10 of this psalm, Our safety net brings peace during crisis. It's true. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. What does it mean to be still? You know, this is a hard thing for me. Okay? Life is fast. Life is busy. When you have small children in the home going nuts... Sometimes it's hard to be still. I fight it all the time. 
It's not just about the physical thing here, though. It's about the internal thing that goes on, the struggle that we face. In this world, we are experiencing higher levels of personal anxiety than ever before. People are just anxious. Anxiety is huge. We can be anxious. and The psalmist here tells us, hey, relax. Know that God is there. He is our strength. He's in control. He's present. We need not worry about these difficult situations. And when we truly chill and be still before the Lord, He can give us a sense of peace that comes nowhere else but through Him. A peace that can only come from our ultimate safety net in Jesus. So who or what has been your go-to safety net? Is it yourself being a self-sufficient, independent person? You have to remember that none of us are perfect and make all the right decisions every time. (laughs) Like me in the trash can incident. I didn't that wasn't wise. Has your safety net been somebody else that you go to relationally, a a friend, a a boss, somebody that has maybe some authority in your life, and and yet there are times that those people have let us down? Is your safety net your bank account, your job? It's very natural to do that. We have to be reminded how unstable the world really is. Do you have a hard time trusting Jesus to be your ultimate safety net in this world gone crazy? We can fall into the trap that we can take care of ourselves. We're big boys and girls. We got it. I want us to be reminded today that it's okay to let the control of our life and our situation, let it go and give it to the Lord. When I hang out with uh, dying people in my work in hospice, a lot of times I'll tell them a prayer posture because they're they're having a hard time letting control of certain things in their life. And it's really in those moments at our life's end here, that we don't have much control. But people grasp for that, and so I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell them, put your hands open. When you're feeling like you control something, you're feeling anxious, and you're worried about something, you just need to let it go. Open up your hands and say, God, take it. Take it. Because it's okay to relax and know that God has us in his hands. Amen? So I want us to think really deeply this morning that we can trust Jesus, our King, because he is our safety net. And he will never fail us during difficult times. He will never fail us. 
And this morning we want to be reminded of God's faithfulness of providing redemption, forgiveness through the table. God's table. And today is one of those days and I want us to take about our own life. And as a community, when the elements are passed out, and the ushers will do that in a moment, passed out, I want you to be thinking like that. And I'm going to actually share a thing with you. Um, and while we're listening, we're preparing our hearts. And then after I'm done with the song, I will lead us all to take the elements of communion together. Ushers, could you uh, please come forward? <laughs> 